Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the To The Point Podcast. We also hope you guys are all enjoying this snowy Thursday morning. Um, yeah, a lot happening in the world of sports. I was obviously joined by uh, Brandon Roach last night. We had a good time I'm bouncing around the NHL, talking about some hot topics. You know, he's a big Maple Leaf fan, so obviously we covered them. Um, I'm going to go into greater detail about the Montreal Canadiens firing Claude Julien today and, and my thoughts on that. I'm also going to get into video replay, which, as you know, if you've listened to this podcast before, I, I hate. Um, and it's only getting my hatred's only growing this week with the incompetence of the NHL and what they've uh, shown. Also, you know, I'm going to NHL is probably going to come last today. Uh, I'm going to touch on some other topics, obviously. Uh, let's start the show with Tiger Woods. Uh, Tuesday, I, it come up comes up on my phone that Tiger's been in an accident. Um, it's a, obviously a serious car accident Tuesday morning in Los Angeles. He was heading to play golf with Drew Brees after playing with David Spade and Dwayne Wade uh, on Monday. And, you know, my initial thought was, oh, my God, did Tiger die? You know, that you, you go to that when you see even – you know, hearing the word jaws of life to get him out of the car, it's a device. It doesn't necessarily mean it's a life or death, but it just, it made me worry. And I immediately sprung to the thought of Kobe Bryant. It was about 13 months ago to the day that Kobe and his daughter Gianna died in a, a tragic plane, a plane, a helicopter accident. Sorry. And it's obviously I'm so happy. He's okay. Um, the, the first thing here, golf is completely secondary. That's, that's irrelevant right now. I know I'm, I'm a sports guy, but it's all about health. I mean, he's got two kids and, you know, he's obviously his son, Charlie, who he played with just before Christmas at the event. I mean, that was so cool to see Tiger be a dad and see, you know, look at his son when he made that eagle putt and just not be the Tiger, the silent assassin that we see where red on Sundays just be a father and be, you know, just, just tiger, you know, just be his dad to his children. But obviously he's got surgery on his ankle compound fracture with his leg. So when I, when I think of those type surgeries, I think of Alex Smith uh, for the Washington football team who, you know, really almost lost his leg. If you haven't seen a documentary, um, the 30 for 30 on ESPN, I highly recommend you watch it. It's quite incredible. uh, And how he, to go through the surgeries and everything. And I don't know if Tiger's going to be this serious, but I know with the compound fracture and you put things in there, just talking to, you know, my mother who, who does, who worked in healthcare, it's basically to prevent infection. And, you know, if that, that infection, if not treated properly can actually result in death because you can get stuff in there. It can, your leg can go, you could possibly die. So it's, it's still serious, but it's good to hear. It's not a life threatening thing for Tiger. Um, but the main thing we can all that I can think of is I just hope he can walk again. You know, I hope he can play with his kids. I hope he can just do basic things that we all t- take for granted in life. You know, just go for a walk, walk 18, even if he, if he doesn't play it. Um, but obviously it's just the best thing is that Tiger's okay. Um, he's an icon in sports. I think he's him and brands. When it comes to sports and brands, two, I think, will will go on forever. And that's Tiger Woods with Nike, and that's obviously Michael Jordan in basketball. Michael Jordan hasn't played an NBA game since 1998. 
Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, he played with the Wizards, but I don't even count that as Michael Jordan. He was he was uh, out of shape, Michael Jordan, then, and he was the 0203 seasons. Those are a wash. When you think of Michael Jordan, the assassin for the Chicago Bulls, like you've seen in The Last Dance, he hadn't played since 1998. And yet he still leads the NBA in shoe sales. And you talk about shoe sales around the world, people buy Jordans that don't play basketball. Golfers, I mean, I've, I don't golf. I have a Nike red shirt because Tiger Woods wore one. And I'm not even a Tiger fan. I don't, I, I don't, I don't root for anybody in any sport. And it's those type things that you remember these athletes. They just have names. You hear the name Tiger. You hear Jordan. You know exactly who you're talking about. If you, if you have a wife who's not a sports fan, she knows Tiger Woods. Yeah, it might be because of his scandals, but it's he's larger than life figure. Serena Williams, you hear the name Serena. You know exactly who you're talking about. And it's... Obviously, his his legacy will live forever. But I just, if he pl- never plays a round of professional golf again, that's fine. If he can walk, if he can do what he, if he can play with his children, if he can do all of that, then I'm then it's is gravy because he's still, if not the greatest golfer, one of the greatest golfers in the history of the sport. You could say Jack Nicholas, he's got 18 majors. Tiger is 15, whatever. But in his generation, there was never an athlete that I think was more feared than Tiger Woods. You got to a Sunday with a three-stroke lead. You shit your pants because you saw a Tiger was three strokes behind you. And you probably should have won the tournament, but you gave it away because it was Tiger Woods that was breathing down your neck. Who? What other sport do you see that where somebody just chokes because they think, oh my God, Tiger's behind me. And they change their mindset. They change how they approach the game. And, you know, I just, I just hope he, I'd love to see him come back on the course and him to have an Alex Smith type story where he has a long rehab and he gets back out there and he, he plays the game that he loves. That would be fantastic. But after these surgeries had just had a back surgery last month, he's had five of them in his career. The odds don't look good, but I wouldn't bet against Tiger Woods. I don't know how, I don't know the, uh, how serious this surgery was. I mean, I know what it could lead to, but how, how bad a shape is his leg and his ankle? And that's to be determined, but I just hope he can come back healthy. I mean, you see the, the world of sports, how everybody respect him. Justin Thomas, who's a very close friend, who's one of the best golfers in the world, teared up at his news conference. And, and I, I just hope, I just hope he's okay. And obviously he's not going to die from this. That's, that's the best news, but can he get back to a normal life? I hope so. I really do because he's, he's a figure that everybody knows, like I said, and I'd love to see him back on the course sometime soon, but you know, prayers for Tiger. Hopefully you can get back out there. And, but if he doesn't, your, your career speaks for itself. You're a, you're a hall of famer. You're an icon and nobody will forget you in the world of sports or in pop culture for, for that matter.
So in saying that, it's a tough transition to pivot to this weekend's tournament, uh, uh, the WGC at concession. But this is going to be the first event at concession. And uh, I just listening to Jerry Foltz from the, from the Golf Channel, he said it's one of the toughest courses in the world. Uh, he said if, if they can make it, if they make it as tough as they can with the pins and the greens, this could really be a difficult track for a lot of players, even the best in the world. He even said if they make the track the way that they usually do, he could see a lot of guys shooting over par in this tournament, finishing with over par. And that includes the winner. He said, I wouldn't be surprised if they put this tournament as tough as it can. You see a three or four under win this tournament. I don't think they'll make it that difficult because they like the, they want it to be uh, entertaining on TV. If you see bogey after bogey after bogey, a lot of people get sick of that. Um, I like it every once in a while. Like usually at the U.S. Open, you see a tough track and, you know, a guy wins a tournament shooting six under. I don't mind that every once in a while. We saw last year with DeChambeau when he won. I think he shot four under for the tournament. Like that's that's tough. Yeah, it's a really tough track for for the top golfers in the world not to not to play that better. But we'll see. Uh, this weekend should be great. It's got 48 of the top 50 players in the world competing. That's always great. Um, and really, golf hasn't lost it. Last year, it came back in June. Daniel Berger won the first event, and obviously, he won a couple weeks ago. But it's it's been a it's been a winner all through this pandemic. They've hardly had any positive tests. They haven't had to cancel any tournaments. The product's been fantastic. Dustin Johnson has, you know, just solidified himself as number one in the world. We've seen some good players kind of emerge in Colin Morikawa, Daniel Berger, uh, you know, uh, you know, a few other. Victor Hovland is another guy who, who I really like. Uh, it's, we're seeing new faces and then also the Justin Thomas's, the John Roms of the world stay competitive. But, you know, this is a big tournament. The players is before the Masters in a month. But at this field, if you can go and win this one, that's a good get. That's a good one on your resume to say, well, I beat all these players to win this tournament. And if I had to handicap it, I, you know, I'm kind of thinking like Patrick Cantlay's due for a win. Uh, he's played some great golf to start the year. Um, also, uh, you know, Finau, Tony Finau is a guy who's always rated right at the top of the leaderboard. He's a guy that could win. That's always close to winning. He finished second last week but again you can't rule out dustin johnson but again listening to jerry fultz from the from the golf channel he's saying that you know this course is not about all about hitting it long so uh you don't need to be a bomber to win this one because it, it, it can be a tough track if you, if you can't keep if you can't keep your driver can't get the ball in the greens you're gonna have a tough time so i kind of think of colin morikawa too he doesn't exactly bomb it off the tee but he's good at keeping, you know, his ball in regulation and playing, playing from there. So yeah, I think Cantlay, Morikawa, maybe Finau, just because maybe he's, he's another guy that's just due for a win. He chokes away a lot of close, close events, but yeah, I'll definitely be keeping an eye on that this weekend. Uh, great field. And with NFL gone, a Sunday afternoon, it's hard to be watching, you know, golf from, you know, about two o'clock till seven thirty, And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, 
it's it's hard to beat. But we'll see what happens this weekend. We'll see what happens this weekend, and hopefully we see, um, like I said, prayers to Tiger and the whole golf community. But uh, in any sport, play goes on. You might lose an icon, something might happen, but the the the, uh, the product still goes on. So hopefully we see a great a great a great field and a great tournament this weekend at at concession. Pivoting to baseball, um, you know, baseball, I'm baseball going to be talked about more on the podcast as we get closer to the season, I'll do a preview show, things of that nature. Um, but, you know, right now it's still February. We still got a month to go in spring training and a lot of games. And, you know, they're planning to start April 1st. That's that's the goal. Play 162. Um, you know, the NBA hasn't played a full season yet. Neither has the obviously the NHL is playing 56. The NFL uh did play a full season. So baseball will be the second sport to team sport to play a full 162 if they can get through it. Um, you know, I have my doubts that they will, but you know, I think a big reason why they're going to be playing 162 is honestly fans. Uh, if you follow the news, you know, Anthony Fauci, obviously the doctor, he was saying this week that he wouldn't be shocked to see ballparks, you know, 40, 50% capacity. He, I think he even hinted at full capacity, which again, the U S is getting 1.5 million vaccines a day. Uh, you know, Canada, I think we get 0.5 vaccines a day, but we they're getting in, in bulk and something to remember. My dad pointed this out to me yesterday. Now baseball stadiums don't sell out. So you can, you can rearrange people easier. I mean, you think of the TROP in uh, Tampa Bay, they're not selling out at the TROP. They're not selling out in Miami. They're not selling out in uh, Kansas City. So Baltimore, but in these other ballparks that get good crowds, I wouldn't be shocked by July when it's beautiful outside that you see a good portion of fans in the stands because people are going to be vaccinated and rapid testing, things of that nature. Everything's improving day by day. So I, that's a big reason for baseball to play because they want that fan revenue um, and, you know, tickets, hot dogs, concessions, what have you. So uh, interesting to watch. Obviously the, the blue Jays are, are an interesting spot because like the Leafs, the Leafs are playing in Canada, but they're only playing in Canada because they're playing Canadian teams. You know, the Raptors have been in Tampa Bay all year. Um, they're going to be playing in Tampa Bay until their season is over. The Blue Jays are starting their season in Florida, in Dunedin. Uh, it's where they're, that's their single A site. Uh, and, uh, but they, it's a world-class facility. That's where they go for spring training every year. So they got great you know, gyms, things of that nature. So that's the reason they're going there and not going to their affiliate in AAA Buffalo again. But, you know, will, will Canada get enough vaccines? Will we improve enough to see the Blue Jays be able to make their way back north of the border? I have my doubts, but again, if you're down in Florida, maybe you get some people that you, you're going to get some revenue. So if I was the Blue Jays, Shapiro, Atkins, you know, they're, they're brass, MLSE, Rogers, you think, well, we could sell some tickets in Dunedin. We're not selling crap in Toronto because we're not allowed to have people in the building regardless. So, and, you know, I don't, I mean, it's a long ways away throughout that whole year. I mean, the season only ends in baseball in October. But, I mean, I'm not optimistic into thinking that they can come up and then you're going to see other teams travel 
from the US into Canada by October. I know it's a long ways away, but um, you know, I'm not a dog, I'm not in government, but it's the way they've progressed so far during this pandemic, it's been very cautious. And it's, I, unless they make a seismic shift in their philosophy, I, I doubt we'll see the Blue Jays uh, up in Canada until, you know, 2022. But, you know, the Blue, Blue Jays did make some headlines this week, yesterday. I point out one of uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, he's, it's been noted, you know, he's worked really hard in the offseason and he's actually said on the record he's lost 42 pounds. Um, I have a dual, I have two different thoughts on this. Number one, good for you, Vladdy. You know, it's not easy to lose that amount of weight. I mean, I went through it. Um, it's takes commitment and, you know, you got to persevere, you got to stick with it. And so, so good for him. You want to be healthy. You want to be the best player you can be. So kudos to, to Vladimir Guerrero Jr. For, for sticking with that and losing 42 pounds in an off season is no small feat. However, the fact that it kind of took three off seasons where they were telling him, Vlad, you need to, you know, work on your nutrition. You need to do this better. I mean, he's a professional athlete. You know, he, he should know better. It shouldn't have to be some, a mandate where they tell him, okay, Vlad, yeah, you really need to get in shape here. And he's like, well, you know, whatever. I like the Dominican food and it's tough. Well, well, moderation, bro. Uh, it's, you know, that's, so it's hard to applaud a professional athlete for getting in shape because it's half your job. That's, that's half your, your play, of course. But if you come into camp out of shape or you come, you play the whole season last year out of shape, which he clearly did because his numbers were terrible. You know, it was rumored he was playing last year at 285. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's uh, I, I buy that because he, he looked heavy. He wants to play third base. And, you know, he lost all, if he was 285, then drop all that. that that's a good amount. And, and he looks a lot healthier and he's going to get a shot at starting at third base in spring training. Do I think he's a third baseman? No, I don't. Um, to play third, you need to have really good instincts. And he's not, he's not a quick athlete. You know, and he was playing first last year and he was really struggling at when to, to read the ball when it's his time to go pick it up, not the second baseman when the pitchers pitcher is going to go grab the ball. So I think third's just a little experiment to say, okay, we'll try it here. You know, you're a prospect of the future. We want to make you happy, but you know, first is his position. You want him to be healthy enough. You want to be fit enough for him to be your first baseman for the next 10 years. Um, you know, you, you don't, you don't want him to be a big poppy where he's just a DH. Obviously, David Ortiz had a fantastic career as a Hall of Famer, but he couldn't play first. I mean, let's just be honest. He played first about 20 times a year when, when they needed to give the guy a break. He couldn't play a position. You don't want Vladdy at 22 year, 21, 22 years old to be in that position already. I mean, that's, that's a long grind of a career where you're just a DH. You can't even play a position. So... Good on him. I would play him, give him some reps at third because they don't have a set third baseman right now. They, I think Kevin Biggio will likely start the year at third, but that's troublesome to me because they, they play Biggio everywhere. And I think if you play a guy everywhere, that means you're not really good at one position. Um, you know, they're set. They're going to play Bichette at short, which I'll get to in a minute. Vladdy at first. So you got Springer in center. 
I think you go with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in left, and then you can put Teoscar Hernandez in right uh, in your outfield. But Biggio, he's a good player. He's got to be in your lineup for sure, but where does he fit? You know, I think Simeon will probably get some reps at third um, at points. But it's – they still got some – I think they can – there would be some battles in camp for position, so that so that will be interesting to see. But um, you know, again, good for Vladdy. Hopefully, he can get his back going too, because it wasn't just about his defensive play last year. It was his power wasn't there. He wasn't the guy that were used, you know, that they thought they were going to get. So maybe a fitter, a more motivated, more a guy who's focused on baseball, not focused on other things. He'll come into camp and he'll come into this season and really show people why he was such a highly touted prospect. Because to this point, it hasn't been there. If you're a Jays fan, and you, I don't think you, I don't think you'll disagree with me. It's saying Vladdy's been a bit of a disappointment. Is he still really young? Yes, but you know they're in a mode now where it's it's about winning. You, know, you they got George Springer. They went out there and did that. They've got Stephen Matz. They've got players on the roster where that you could say, okay, we're not playing for tomorrow anymore. We're playing for right now. You know, their starting pitching is still a disaster to me, but they're, they're a team that's not with their division. The Yankees are in flux. The Red Sox are, are not as good as the Blue Jays. The, the Orioles are the Orioles. They're a disaster. The Rays, Rays are still going to be a quality team. Obviously they made the world series last year. But Blake Snell's gone. Um, they got Chris Archer to kind of replace him, which is not an adequate replacement. Can you make some noise in the AL East? I think you. I think they're third to start the year when it comes to, you know, their position. But who knows? Uh, it's, it's about these younger guys taking positions and really owning them. Vladdy hasn't yet. Bobochet hasn't yet. But this is a huge year for both of them, where they're going to be playing hopefully 162. They're full both of them their first full year and they can show what they got. And speaking of Boba Shett, you know, Boba Shett's kind of the, the new face of the team. You know, Vladdy was the prospect, but Bo, you know, he plays shortstop. It's easy to be a shortstop and be the face of organization. I, you immediately think of Derek Jeter. Jeter was the, the Yankee. He is the New York Yankees uh, in, in this generation, obviously, you know, you got Babe Ruth, you know, Lou Gehrig, uh, a lot of great Yankees over the years, but you think of in recent memory, you know, it's, it's Jeter. It's the captain that's him and Mariano Rivera. Uh, but Bichette, you know, he's got the hair, he's got the flair, he's got that swagger about him that you really think, okay, you know, this kid, this kid could be something. Uh, and it was rumored in the off season that they were trying to acquire a strong shortstop. And, you know, one of them was Francisco Lindor who was with the Indians. He ultimately got traded to, to the Mets and uh, he's there now, but just a rumor, Bichette clearly didn't like it. He wants to be the starting, starting starts off for, for the blue Jays. And I don't blame him. Um, that's where he was drafted. He feels he can play a position. Has he been great defensively so far in his career? No, he last year in the playoffs. He was a mess. Uh, simple plays he, he was screwing up on and you can't have that you know the great shortstops in the game they erase them you know but can he improve of course Derek Jeter had 56 errors in his first two years at short 
he, he turned into a legend. He turned into, you know, a fantastic player. So I think he can improve defensively. He needs to learn the shift, kind of learn defensive systems better and be a little bit more aware of what's happening on the field around him. But Bichette is, is clearly a guy that they need, they need to do everything they can to help him. Uh, He's the face of the organization. Again, he's just that guy that you look at and you think, okay, this is, this is our future right here. Bo Bichette, um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Now that Vladdy's getting healthy, he's getting in shape. You got Bo who's hopefully working on his defense. He's still got that bat. That's good. You got Biggio, you got George Springer, where you can lead off, you can lead off your lineup. You know, Loris Gurriel Jr. is a consistent bat. T. Oscar's still, he's still a good piece. Uh, you got a team here. You got a team for the first time in a while that I think you can look at and say, we're pretty good. Uh, we're, you know, we're probably, we can maybe do what the teams in 2015 and 2016 did, except maybe, you know, finish it off. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'll get more into baseball, but, and it's not all going to be about the Blue Jays on this podcast. As you know, I don't like to focus on, on one team. Uh, you know, we'll be talking about everybody, you know, the Dodgers, what teams are doing. And, you know, this will be an interesting year for baseball because there's on paper, there are a lot, a lot of bad teams. Um, a couple that come to mind, Baltimore, Kansas City, Detroit, Seattle, uh, the Indians might be really bad team because they sold off. Um, I mean, that whole AL Central is pretty bad. Texas, I don't think it would be particularly that good this year. Um, San Fran, uh, Arizona. I mean, th- that's eight there. I, I, I'm, that's, I could go through more. But it, it, it'll be more about the top teams, the Dodgers, the Padres, again, the Yankees. Uh, the, maybe the Blue Jays can get their nose in there. It's, but it should be a fun season. I'm glad as of right now. They're going to play 162. So the season will start a month Monday. So we'll start April 1st. So yeah, we'll be covering it here until the point we'll, weekly. We'll be talking about it and, you know, different things around the league, what's happening, uh, different, what teams are up to. So, you know, we'll be talking more baseball as we progress closer, closer to the season. And obviously as the season gets going, we'll, we'll delve, we'll dwell more into that uh, going forward. So in saying that uh, a sport that's, you know, really, it's had a kind of a slow start uh, again. some COVID issues, um, a lot of blowouts early in the year. We're starting to see, you know, the NBA pick up here. It's a, the all-star game, which I can't wait to watch next weekend. Not, uh, I will not be covering that, uh, is, is getting going here. We're seeing some compelling things. Some injuries are kind of cropping up. Some teams are kind of playing better that we didn't really expect. And, I did a preview show before the year with Billy Cole, and I, we kind of talked about teams we thought would be a surprise. A team I thought would be better, the Atlanta Hawks, they've struggled. They're 11th in the East. They're not really competitive, although they beat the Boston Celtics last night, which I'll get into. Uh, but you know, the team I had as the sleeper, and you know, I'll pat myself on the back here, is the Utah Jazz. And the Utah Jazz have the best record in the NBA. Um, they, the Utah Jazz, they don't have a superstar. You know, I think Donovan Mitchell, he's close to being a superstar. But when you look at the likes of James Harden, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, he's not on their level. But Spiders, as they call him in Utah, he's a dynamic player. They still have Rudy Gobert, the Stifle Tower, who's playing center, one of the best defensive players in the NBA. They got Joe Angles, who comes off the bench now, just a you know white guy 
built like a bag of milk, but he can shoot threes almost better than anybody. I mean, they shoot over 50% from three as a team. It's going to be hard to beat a team when they're doing that. Royce O'Neal is really good. They got Mike Conley, uh, who's a great veteran. And they got Jordan Clarkson off the bench, who, you know, last week scored 40 uh, in just 29 minutes. So they have a great team. And last night was really a battle of two of the great teams in the NBA. Uh, obviously, the Lakers heading to Utah to play the Jazz. And the Jazz got by them fairly, you know, winning 114.89, fairly easily win. Uh, and, you know, it's the Lakers' fourth loss in a row. And it's starting to get concerning for me. Uh, they've lost Anthony Davis. They're one and four without him. And, you know, they've lost to some teams under 500. Saturday night, they lose by a bucket to the Miami Heat. Then Monday, they lose in overtime to the Washington Wizards. And then last, last night, they obviously lose to a great team. But it's showing that the Lakers, even with LeBron, and he's playing a ton of minutes, they, he needs some help and he needs another superstar. And, we, you know, Dennis Schroeder's been out too, who is a, a normal starter for them. But I look at LeBron and he's going to play every minute he can. He never takes himself out of a game, which I have so much respect for. Uh, he likes to battle his way through a season. He said he doesn't get tired, which obviously is a farce, but he, he's just such a competitor, but in the long run, do I think this really matters? Not so much. I mean, right now they're third in in the West behind the Utah jazz and and the Clippers. Um, You know, they got Phoenix breathing down their neck, but they kind of caught a break with Phoenix blowing a lead to Charlotte last night and losing, losing by three, you know, Portland's right there. And they they caught another break with San Antonio losing uh, last night uh, to Oklahoma city on the last second shot. But they, if you look at their roster with AD out, the players LeBron's really relying on right now are Kyle Kuzma, who I think has been good since, uh, since Davis has been out. He's looking to get an opportunity to be in the starting lineup. He's got it right now. I think he needs to be more, get 15 to 20 a game. You need to be the second scorer for this team because there's not really another guy who's going to take that. Uh, Wesley Matthews is a guy who's had a solid career, but he's a bench player now. And, coming off the bench in LA, it just hasn't worked. We haven't seen it work for him. He hasn't caught a spark yet. And yeah, they may need an upgrade on him for sure. Marcus all, obviously the former Raptor. He's not what he used to be. Uh, he, again, he's an older guy. He's played a ton of basketball in the last couple of years. He's just not quick enough defensively. His shot isn't that great. Uh, and you know, they don't play him big minutes anymore. He plays 12, 15 minutes a game. And they bring in Montrez Harrell, who's won the sixth man of the year, but he's such a small defender and he plays the center and you know, guys like Gobert are going to eat him alive because he's just so small. He can't defend these guys that are seven feet tall. And so that concerns me. I think if they can find a center, maybe Hassan Whiteside would be an answer for me. Obviously Andre Drummond is out there. Maybe they go after Blake Griffin, who I think will probably be uh, bought out by Detroit sometime in the near future. So they do have some options when it comes to big men, but they need Davis back point blank. Um, They also need some more consistent play from, you know, the likes of Contavious Caldwell Pope um, and Harrell needs to be better off the bench when it comes to scoring, providing that energy and, you know, Kyle Kuzma needs to find his role and kind of stick to it. Um, it's been tough for him because he's been in and out of the starting lineup. So I think 
find a find a spot for him and kind of put him there and let him breathe let it let it just be there for him and see what he can do but do I worry about the Lakers like I said not really but the you know the Western Conference it's top heavy it's top heavy um I like the Clippers I like Utah Portland you know they've been they've been close to getting to his you know a, a, to the finals but you know, San Antonio is not really a threat so we'll see we'll see what happens but the again they're one and four they got Portland Friday night I think that's a big game because Portland's only a half game behind them so Portland with a win would, would surpass them and put the Lakers fourth in the Western Conference I don't think that worry would worry LeBron when it comes to playoff time I mean they can make it up in the second half of the year but also you know there's no fans so what does it really matter when it comes to, there's no real home court advantage uh, when it comes to, you know, pro sports in the year 2020, 2021. Um, also a huge a team that's hit the ditch and they probably can't wait for the all-star break because it's just been a mess for them. The Boston Celtics. The Celtics have dropped by, uh, seven of their last eight and they lose to the Atlanta Hawks last night for the second time in, in a week. Uh, you know, Atlanta, again, has been a major disappointment for me. They also got Trey Young. You know, Gallinari went off last night. Uh, off the bench for Atlanta, but the Celtics with the loss dropped to ninth in the Eastern conference. They're a team that made the conference final last year. And you're just seeing the, the wheels fall off for them. Um, they get blown out by Atlanta. And if you're a Celtics fan, you got to be worried. You know, Brad Stevens has been there for a long time. I think he's, I think he's a good coach, but I've also think he's been propped up a little bit he hasn't won anything since he came into the league he's gotten to a conference final where he was a favorite going in last year playing Miami and Miami beats them in six games which really should have been five um and but the funny thing for me this is so ironic that they're ninth in the east and they got two all-stars on their team in Tatum and Brown I don't know how you have a sub 500 record and you're ninth you're outside the playoffs but you have two all-stars named to the all-star team Again, the all-star game is irrelevant to me. So that's maybe why they chose the Celtics players because they're out of the playoffs, which is, you know, irrelevance. But it's it's just funny to me how they decide these things. But they're, they're a team. Do I think they're going to make the playoffs? Yes. But if they played, what if they finished seventh or eighth and they played Brooklyn? They're not, they're not winning that series. They play Brooklyn, they're going home. Then I think Brad Stevens, his job's got to be on the line for sure. I mean, it's pro sports. He's been there for a long time. Do I think he'd be rehired in a second? Yes. But with this nucleus, they've had Stevens forever. They've had Tatum. He's had Brown. They've had Marcus Smart. He's had these guys, and he hasn't been able to get them over the hump. And I don't know what the answer is in Boston, but their defensive play is not good enough. I think like like a lot of teams they need an upgrade at center uh, they've had Daniel Tice for a long time he's not a great defender and you know he's not a great pick and roll player either and that's kind of Tatum's specialty I could Boston acquiring Blake Griffin would make a lot of sense to me because I think he can do those things he can also add an outside shot which which wouldn't hurt the roster either but you know playing better defensively and you know we've seen they had a great start and the Raptors had a terrible start. They've kind of done a 180 where, you know, the Raptors have lost two in a row, 
but they're sitting fifth in the East. And, you know, the, uh, the Celtics are now 16 and 17 sub 500 record outside of the playoffs. So it'd be interesting to track to see what happens here, but I don't think you got the Miami heat who beat Toronto last night. They've had COVID issues, a lot of different injuries. They're starting to come around. They're now eighth in the East. I think they'll get back into a playoff position. You got the likes of Charlotte, Chicago. They're teams that are, they're kind of on the come up. You got Zach Levine in Chicago is playing some great basketball. You got the Knicks who are right in the thick of things right now with Julius Randle being named to the all-star team. And obviously some, some good things happening in Charlotte with, with, with Lonzo Ball. Sorry, with, with uh, LaMelo Ball, who's playing really, really well. And they got contributors like Terry Rozier, you know, Malik Monk. PJ Washington, they got a young team, but they play hard every night and they give you a run for your money every time you hit the court. So I think the Celtics kind of looked at the season like a cakewalk where we can finish third in the East. We'll be fine. Then Tatum and Brown can kind of hit the second engine when you get to the playoffs. Well, hopefully this is a wake up, wake up call for them because you lose to Atlanta twice in a week. You're not going to get a bigger wake up call than that. Atlanta has been, you know, a pit of despair when it comes to winning in the NBA. So we'll see, we'll see what happens with them. But, um, and you know, before I move to hockey, maybe Brooklyn, the Brooklyn Nets are must watch TV. If I, if you're, I realize there's a lot of sports going on right now, but if you can watch a Brooklyn Nets game, it's fun because James Harden to me, he's the MVP. Uh, we, I've had this conversation with Seamus a few years ago, a few weeks ago, but he's playing at such a high level. Uh, he's, I think he might average 12 assists a game. That's unprecedented. Uh, he's, he doesn't score as much as he used to because he doesn't have to. He's got Kevin Durant. He's got Kyrie Irving, you know, riding shotgun with him where he can feed them the ball. He's also, you know, the other night, Bruce Brown, who's a reserve, who's a, a, a bench player, led their team in points against Sacramento. I mean, it's, it's crazy what this team can do. And they're only starting to, to mesh and I, they're, playing not bad defense either. They beat the Lakers last week. It's, it's been impressive to see what this team can do. Uh, I like, obviously Kevin Durant's one of the best players in the world. I think when he's healthy, healthy, he's the best player in the world. I'd put him above LeBron James, but Harden, Harden, you could say he's been the best player in the NBA this year. I don't think that's a crazy argument to make. Um, just his scoring his overall value to, to, uh, to his team is through the roof. And, yeah, he's he's been a revelation in Brooklyn. He obviously had to kind of get out of um, get out of Houston, which is kind of ugly. Where you know he was put on some weight and kind of quit, moped around. But he's where he wanted to be now, and it's hard to say that Brooklyn is not the favorite to win the NBA title. The Lakers will have time to get back together to get Anthony Davis healthy, but. We'll see. It's a long season, but Brooklyn Brooklyn looks strong right now, and in the East. They really don't have a team that would scare you. I think Philly, Philly's a good team, but again, they're not really playoff proven. They haven't gotten to a conference final yet with the nucleus of Embiid and Simmons. Milwaukee has been really inconsistent all year. Also, they're a team that gets to the playoffs every year, but can't get over that hump with Giannis, you know, Middleton and co being the nucleus of the team. Uh, again, the Celtics, uh, you know, they, they had their best chance of making the finals last year. They, they lose to the heat and, this year it's been it's been a flat out disaster. I don't 
the Raptors are a good team. I don't see them as a team that they wouldn't even put a dent in the Brooklyn Nets. I think that would be a five, four or five game series where, you know, they're, they're a race pretty quickly. If Brooklyn's health, if Brooklyn's all healthy, you know, the Raptors don't stand a chance in, in that series. Um, so again, so maybe some teams will make some additions because they see that, you know, this three headed juggernaut is only getting better. And if we stay the same, there's no way in hell we're, we're going to beat them. But it'll be interesting to watch all year uh, to see what happens. Obviously, there's going to be some interesting races. You got the Mavericks who started off slow in the West. They're starting to find their game. Can they get into the playoffs? You know, how will the Celtics rebound from this? Can you know a team like Charlotte make the playoffs? Uh, that would be a huge story. LaMelo Ball, will he win Rookie of the Year? Um, so some things to keep your eye on around the league. Raptors losing Tuesday night to the 76ers. They lost last night to Miami. They're back on the court Friday uh, against the Houston Rockets. So a lot happening in the NBA. Like I said, we'll get more and more into it. Uh, this week has been hockey heavy, just with some different different topics and conversations. But uh, we'll get we'll get more into the NBA as we as we keep going here onto the point. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna pivot to talk about Montreal briefly, but before I do that, and you know them firing Claude Julien. Uh, I got to talk about video replay and, you know, for everybody, sorry for people that listen to this often, but I'm not a person that really gets angry. You know, I don't, and I, I'm not a big, I'm not an emotional guy. You know, I, I've been referred to as the human cyborg before, which I take as a badge of honor. Um, but, and I don't really get angry. I just, I might get irritated every now and then, but I've been, i never get excited. Like I've maybe been excited twice in my life. Um, so, but video replay fucking pisses me off. Um, so just set the scene for you. I'm sitting here, sitting in my apartment, watching the game. My dog's sleeping on her bed. Everything's fine. You know, I got no sound on, of course, just listening to, I think, uh, Leonard Skinner's song at about, you know, 1030 at night, Tuesday. And then I'm flicking between some great games. You got Columbus, Chicago, which is down on the wire. You got Washington and Pittsburgh's going into overtime. Then I'm trying to catch the Montreal Ottawa game. I'm thinking, okay, let's go into overtime. I'll, you know, I'm gonna put three screens on, see what I can do. But then Gallagher gets in for Gallagher scores two by one seconds left. I'm like, oh, the game's over. Montreal's getting the two points. Nope. Nope. Coach's challenge. So Here's the play. I'll describe it. Gallagher does Gallagher Gallagher goes to the front of that. Does he bump Matt Murray by his own measure? Yes, that's absolutely true. However, Matt Murray has eight seconds to recover and get in position. Gallagher resets. Murray is reset. He's in a position to make a save. Gallagher tips the puck over his glove into the net. 2.1 seconds. Game's over. There's not enough time. But coach's challenge. Okay. I hate it. It's in the game, but if you, if officials are so fucking incompetent that you, they can't make a decision, that's fine. Let's send it up to Toronto and see what these fucking morons can come up with. So I'm sitting there, you know, obviously pissed off because I'm, I'm flicking between screens and you know, it's do, 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 do. And I'm, it's just, it doesn't even make you want, want to watch the game. Like if you were a, a fan of these teams, you're sitting there watching these fucking goons in the zebras on their little phone call up to headquarters. It makes you want to turn off the fucking TV. Cause I came in to watch hockey, not these fucking morons talk about uh, if it's a goal or not. 
but whatever. I'm flipping through. I see Kapanen score a goal, and then the watch the Chicago game was going to the gimmick. So obviously, I flipped that channel, never went back. Uh, and it's no goal. And I don't know what a goal is anymore. It was kind of like the NFL with a catch. How is that not a goal? Goalies, I get it. They're coddled. They're like quarterbacks. They're wrapped up in these little tight little blankets where if you breathe on them, you blow the whistle. Well, in this scenario, I don't know what the fuck happened. Because Matt Murray had time to reset. He was in a position to make a save. And then it's no goal. He, the Montreal Canadiens got jobbed out of two points. They lose in the gimmick. But this is a bigger problem. This, if you're going to do the stupid coaches challenge, which I hate anyway, at least get the call right. You waste all the time of fans and just people that like watching hockey games with this stupid video replay. You take five minutes out of my night where I could have went to bed but no, we got to sit here and muddle through if this is a goal or not. And it irritates me to no end. Okay, I'm going to sit here in a way. Okay, I'll sit through that, whatever. Get the fucking call right, please. That's all I ask. It's going to be in the game because you need technology. You need all this bullshit. And you get four, you got two refs and two linesmen on the ice. But I guess the four of them are so incompetent that they can't make a call. They call a goal on the ice. Get the call right, please. Please. That's all. The Montreal, Brendan Gallagher, he got mad after the game. I would have fucking lost it after the game. If I was him, how pristine are these goaltenders? You can't give them a little bit of a bump? Or, okay, here's here's the biggest facade in this thing. They call goal interference, so it's no goal. How is it not a penalty then? So he was interfered with, right? And there, there is a penalty in the in the game called goal interference. All these goals that are called back, how are they not penalties? By definition, they should be. If the goal comes back, the goalie was interfered with on this play. No goal. He should be in the sin bin. That's how it should work. Because I don't see how. If you if you, if there's no goal interf- if there's goal interference on the play, and it's no goal, go to the box, right? But now it's oh, it was goal interference, no goal. Well, how, how is it not a penalty then? How is that not a penalty? I don't understand. I don't see the connection. And it's baffling to me that the NHL, they just had that black mark when it comes to the, the outdoor game. And then this shit this week with some of the reviews, and you know, I said on Facebook last night in the Toronto game where, where Nylander scored, if I was Jeff Ward, I'm challenging that. Because if Gallagher's goal didn't count, how the, how the hell does this one count? How the hell does this goal count? I don't, that one last night. What's the difference? He is Hyman sitting on his lap, but the, he doesn't challenge. It's just, it's crazy to me what they're doing. Should that goal in Toronto last night counted? Yes. But you go to that, I'm just thinking from a coach and you're probably, go Julian who got fires posted at home saying, Jeff Ward, ch- challenge it. Because it's going to go your way. Well, maybe not, it's Toronto. But um, headquarters is in Toronto, if you guys didn't know that. But I don't – it's baffling to me that four refs 
maybe you need to hire new refs because if they're not competent enough to make a call on the ice, it's called human error. It's going to happen. People in jobs make mistakes all the time and you need it in sports. Can't just all be fucking technology because there's still a guy upstairs looking at the technology telling the ref it's no goal. What makes him qualified to make that decision? The ref is a ref. He's been trained to be an official. Let him make the decision. But no, the NHL, I don't know how this just gets swept under the rug as a non-issue in the game when it's, it's one of their bigger issues. It's how bad video replay is and how often they get the call wrong. And you know, anybody who thought that was a goal last night, I think, needs to get their head checked. But it's um, my rant of, of the week just about video replay. Um, Montreal, after the game, or yesterday morning, they fired... Claude Julien and associate coach Kirk Muller. Uh, it was, it didn't come as a huge surprise to me. Uh, I got, re- re- you know, people reached out to me and I wasn't shocked. Um, and there's a number of reasons for that. You know, the team's been hit. They had a great start. They hit the skids a little bit. Um, they haven't been scoring goals. You got, you know, you look at Kakaniemi, two goals, Suzuki, four, and then you got Dano, zero. I mean, that's their top three centers. That's, that's going to be hard to win games. When you know Jeff Petrie's points have kind of dried up, you know, my boy Josh Anderson's still playing great. Uh, Drew has been Drew what he's been in Montreal since he got there, uh, inconsistent and you know, unaware. Um, but Shea Weber came out after Sunday's game and kind of said it's getting stale in here. You know, it's he voiced without saying it, he was kind of telling Bergie, We want a new voice, we're sick of Claude, we we kind of want to play a more open game. You know, Claude Julian has a a defensive coach. And I think he's pretty set in his ways about how he does things an old school coach. And I think Montreal kind of wanted to see what they could do, maybe opening the game up a little bit and playing a different style than what Claude is accustomed to or enjoys. So I don't know. Well, well, I Dominic Ducharme steps in. He was going to be the head coach eventually, of course, uh, because he's French. Uh, It's, I have again, I'm just going to say this, but this, I have no problem with a French, any kind of coach, you know, black, whatever, gay, getting an opportunity to coach a woman. It, that's the best thing for the game because if you're the most qualified and the, the best candidate should get the job, no matter what you are. But the fact that Montreal just has to hire French coaches is really baffling to me. That you have to speak to the media in French. I just don't understand that that logic maybe the guy isn't the right person for the job but he's french speaking so you have to hire him again you you've seen we've seen french coaches get hired alain vigneault is french he's coached in new york vancouver philly so it's not about me saying okay french people should not get head coaching jobs that's not the point here the fact that montreal has to hire a french speaking coach well what if there's i mean i see their candidate some media guys sent out candidates for their next potential head coach. Number two is Michelle Therrien. You hire Michelle Therrien again, you go through that whole system just because he's French. No, he's a terrible coach. You don't, you don't hire him, but I'm going to, we'll see what happens with Dominic Ducharme. I think uh, he was great in Halifax. Obviously he coached Drouin. So maybe he can get Drouin to play a different style, give him more opportunities, get some more points out of him. Uh, you know, he coached coach at the world juniors. He's coached at all the high levels. 
But I still think this team has the potential to be a really good playoff team and be a tough out in the Canadian division. Uh, their defensive play needs to improve, but again, I think that can happen. But you need guys like Suzuki needs to be better than four goals. I think he's the future of their franchise, but you need to see more from him. Kakaniemi, really inconsistent. He's been like Drouin throughout his career where he just hasn't had it. Um, Dano. Dano turned down six years times five million, as reported by Montreal. He must be crying, and he's probably going to be firing his agent if his agent said, yeah, no, don't take it. We'll get more in the open market fat chance uh, with no goals and really being an ineffective forward. So, you know, but the big thing for Montreal, if they do hit the ditch and say Calgary can get back in it and pass them in the standings, I think Mark Bergevin has fired at the end of the year, point blank. Uh, he's been through enough coaches. He's been through enough of these transitions where he's tried to get the team better. And, you know, if they miss the playoffs and they're not competitive, I don't know how many bullets he's got left in the chamber uh, to, to play here. He's fired coaches. He's moved out players. It might be time for Jeff Molson to say, you know, Mark, I really like you, but we're, we're in a transition phase here and you're not the guy to lead, lead our team into the future. So we'll see what happens with Montreal. I mean, they got Winnipeg tonight. They're in Winnipeg tonight and Saturday. So that's not an easy schedule. And, you know, a huge reason for Claude Julien losing his job, in my opinion, is Carey Price. Uh, he's been, Pretty terrible this year. Uh, Tuesday night against Ottawa, that second Brady Kachuk goal can't go in. I mean, that's just that's just a muffin. I mean, you got to you got to cover that up. It's Carey Price. Talk about we're talking about two of the best goalies in the world in Carey Price, Carter Hart, both playing like they haven't put on pads before uh, in parts of this season. And you know, Price, I think it's a big night for him. Come up with a statement, new coach. I'm going to have my eyes on that game just to see what the team comes out with, what kind of differences I see uh, systematically. So a tough matchup. You got Winnipeg with Dubois coming into the lineup, playing with Shifley and Wheeler the other night. I'd like to see if they continue with that or, or if they put him at center. But uh, a tough team to start out with. But for Montreal, you're in a playoff spot by a little bit right now. You need to find your game before too long because you got Calgary, Who's who didn't play well last night? I mean, Calgary got a point against Toronto, but it's only because you know Dave Riddick played out of his mind, uh, and you know that rarely happens for him. But he he's played he played great, so you know that that'll be an interesting game tonight. Montreal Winnipeg, and again they play again Saturday. So two two tough matchups for for Montreal to to start Dominic Ducharme's uh, head coaching reign. Um, another little small story before we wrap up today: the LA Kings. The LA Kings have beaten St. Louis in back-to-back games. Uh, we've seen really solid goaltending from Calvin Peterson last night. You know, Dustin Brown's got 17 points in 18 games, which is highly impressive for him. Drew Doughty's logging a lot of minutes. They got a team full of it's veterans and then really young guys. There's really no middle ground. But do I think they're going to tail off? Yes, but at this point of the year, for them to be where they are in a playoffs position – it's really impressive. Uh, you know, they, they play really hard. They got Sean Walker on the back end. Who's really looking like a good prospect. Mikey Anderson's finally getting his chance to play. I like to see that. So good on LA. You know, they could be Anaheim right now or Anaheim's last two games they played. They've had three, nothing leads and coughed them up both times. So it's 
they're competitive. I mean, beating St. Louis twice in a row is no small feat. I believe they they got Minnesota at the end of the week. Minnesota's another team right now that's playing well. They beat Colorado last night, 6-2. You know, the line of uh, Zuccarello and Felino has and uh, Kaprizov has really been a great one for them. And for Colorado, they kind of got to find their game here. Uh, they beat Vegas in the outdoor game, but then they lost to Vegas, losing to Minnesota last night, and they're outside the playoffs right now. So a lot happening with the with COVID and that. You know, Vegas and San Jose has already been postponed tonight because of uh, Sharks players. I think Thomas Hurdle got put on the COVID list. So we'll see what happens with cancellations and things like that. But, um, you know, a lot happening in the NHL. Uh, Philly winning last night over over the Rangers. And we also saw, like I said, Arizona coming back to beat Anaheim after being down 3-0. Toronto beating uh, Calgary 2-1 in overtime with two goals from Bill Nylander. So, yeah, um, I'll be back tomorrow morning. Uh, talk about some games tonight, some other, some other things in the world of sports. Up update you on what's happening at the, the WGC um, and, and a lot of, you know, different stories that come up throughout the day, but um, no, I, I appreciate everybody who went on Instagram and kind of gave our feedback to uh, the different questions that I had about the content moving forward. Again, I'm going to try to, me and Seamus will be back to talking uh, about TV next week and try to incorporate some baseball, um, still get some guests on uh, this weekend we might have a special podcast this weekend. Uh, look out for that on Sunday. I won't give all the details right now, but it should be a lot of fun. Um, we'll be discussing uh, the Olympics. So uh, that that's another fun pod on the way uh, that I'll, I'll tease as the, as the week keeps going. So everybody have a great week. Uh, enjoy the snow and we'll be back. I'll be back tomorrow morning. So we'll talk soon.